Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys. Good morning, Takeover Church. How are we doing? For Nikki and DJ. Yeah. 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 Natural, brother. Yeah. We got a job here soon, which is awesome. So good. Uh, well, yes, I am rocking a uh, takeover church grammar of this thermos. Oh. Could be coming soon to a place near you. I have no idea. But uh, how do you know? The Lord don't start talking until so you start drinking. Amen. Coffee. Amen. Specify. Sorry, I had to pull that one out. I got told like after year one of church to never do that joke again. But it's been a while, and I kind of felt like I could uh, I could take it back. No, I was gonna bring this back. I was gonna bring this back a Okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. I just I got broad shoulders. I didn't want to hit the back. All right, yo, this morning, can we just highlight real quick um, how incredible our takeover worship crew is. Lord, what a Sunday so far. I love that church is growing, that teams are growing and expanding, that Josh and Alex, two of our incredible worship leaders, are getting married soon, and they were able to go and and go and deal with wedding stuff and all that stuff on the other side of the state, and we have other people who step up and step in and are fulfilling it, and nothing is missed, nothing is wasted. God just continues to show up, and we have the best worship, in my opinion, as a musical styling of all time, okay? Next to heaven. Of course. Can't really beat that. Um, but this morning, we're going to continue our series, The Heart of the Father. Are y'all ready for the Word of God this morning? Y'all come hungry and thirsty for the Word of God this morning. Come on, y'all mind if I preach a little bit this morning? Let's get it. Who's taking notes? Who's my note takers at? Who's going to heaven first? My mans. All right. I had to bust them all out. I had to bust out all the old jokes. Well, we're taking notes this morning. The title of my message is... The heart for your exodus. The heart for your exodus. The heart for your exodus. I'm going to go back to the Old Testament this morning. Is that all right with you? Yes, sir. Yeah. So you're going to be up on the Sky Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I'm going to write this down. Exodus 14, 21 through 29. There he is, my man Eric in the back. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went to the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. In the morning, watched the lords in pillars of fire and cloud, looked down at the Egyptians' forces, and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic. Verse 25. Clogging their chariot wheels, so they drove heavily. The Egyptians said, let us flee from, from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, and the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea once again, and the sea returned to its normal course. And when the morning appeared, and as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. And the waters returned, covered the chariots, and the horsemen, and all of the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on the right and on the left. We're going to pray. And we're going to see what God's heart for our exodus is. Sound good? Yeah. Father God. Father God, I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so overwhelmed by DJ's kind words. I'm so overwhelmed by... Just the opportunity to be one of your kids, God. 
let alone a pastor, let alone a leader, God. If all of this went away, I'd just be so grateful to be your son. Father, we just love you so much. It's our heart. God, as we set apart these weeks to just get to know your heart more. God, we want to run straight into your heart this morning. Holy Spirit, we just invite you in right now into this room and into every chair, into every mind, into every heart and every soul. God, resonate, Holy Spirit, on the inside of us. Nurse our hearts back to life. Make our hearts look more like yours, Father God. We came to church with no other agenda today than to meet with you, Lord Jesus. So come and have your way in mighty ways this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church said, Amen. Amen. The heart for your exodus, the heart for your exodus. So I love this season in church. I don't know what it is. I really don't. I don't know what it is about this idea, this consecration that we're coming around the heart of the Father that God just set us apart for this season that just keeps drawing me back to the Old Testament. There's something about seeing God in all of these different situations when it comes to the Jews, when it comes to Israel, when it comes to God's chosen people that I just love seeing his heart played out in all of these different scenarios and situations that they find themselves in. And I think it really gives us a unique picture at who our Father is. Amen? Have you been enjoying this series so far? Yeah. I hope we continue that trend this morning because in this moment, we're looking at Moses. And Moses, you probably know him. You've probably seen, you know, the old Disney movie. Or it's probably not Disney. It's, you know, because they believe in a mouse, not in Christ. But it's just one of those animated movies that, you know, was available at the video store when you were a kid. You've probably seen this in some capacity if you're new with us in church or you've read this story so many times just to play catch up so we're all on the same page. If you don't know, Moses is the man. Moses is awesome. But Moses is a Hebrew. He's a Jew. And what happened was there's this guy named Pharaoh who was the leader of Egypt. He was the one that was calling the shots. He oversaw all of Egypt. And one year, happened to be the birth year of Moses, Pharaoh decided that every single Hebrew boy needed to die. That every single newborn Hebrew boy needed to die, needed to be thrown into the Nile because he feared that they would rise up one day against him. And so what ends up happening is, is Moses' mother, obviously under orders from Pharaoh, she goes to do just this, but she wasn't able to bring herself to do it. And so what she did instead was she placed Moses in a basket and she sent him down river with the hopes that he would survive his travels and that someone would find him. Well, someone did find Moses. None other than Pharaoh's daughter found Moses. She actually wasn't too far down the stream from Moses' mother. And what ends up happening is, as God has his way in every single person's story, including mine, including yours, whether it's as jacked up as mine is, or it can be as clean up as yours, as God has his way in our story. And what ends up happening is Pharaoh's daughter sees this take place. She grabs Moses, and she ultimately ends up bringing on Moses' mother as her servant in Pharaoh's house. And by proxy, Moses' mother is now able to raise Moses right underneath the Pharaoh's nose. A Hebrew boy growing up in an Egyptian Pharaoh's home right under his nose. So I guess it could be said this morning that just because you're hidden doesn't mean you're not God's secret weapon. I guess it could be said this morning that just because you've been hidden doesn't mean that you're not God's secret weapon. I just felt this morning as we were gathering in the house of God that there were some people in here. I don't know what your life has looked like. I don't know what jobs you've had. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what God's called. 
called every person in this room to specifically, but I do know that some of us this morning, we came in feeling unheard. We came in feeling unseen. We came in feeling overlooked. And I just came to the house of God this morning to proclaim to you that God has seen you, that God has heard you. And if God has hidden you, it is with a purpose. Come on, somebody. It is with a mission. Come on, somebody. So if you feel like you've been overlooked, if you've been hidden, perhaps you've been hidden on mission. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Because here's the deal. While you may feel hidden, how many of you know it's better to be hidden and developed than seen and underdeveloped? Wow, yeah. That's good. I would rather be hidden and developed than face the exposure, the reveal of being seen and underdeveloped. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? And so here we have Moses, who spent years, years in the house of Pharaoh as a Hebrew. And he spends all this time, and he has all these amazing stories take place. And one day Moses, he sees another Hebrew get just beaten and disregarded by some Egyptian soldiers and he doesn't think anybody's watching. So he decides to go on his little Tony Stark Avengers run. And he kills two Egyptian soldiers. Saves the Hebrew. The word gets out that we knew he looked a little different, but now we know he's different. And so now what was hidden has now been revealed. You see, in this moment we see Moses... Moses has been called by God. He had this experience with God when God showed up as a burning bush. How many of you know if God shows up in your life as something on fire, you best be listening and obeying. Amen. Come on. I'm burning this bush. I'm going to burn you, boy. Listen up. But he has this experience with God where Moses comes alive to his purpose. His purpose isn't simply to be a Hebrew in Pharaoh's house. It's not even to bridge the two sides of people. He's not there to actually bring about the reconciliation between the Egyptians and the Hebrew people. That's not his call at all because actually reconciliation would come later because that's the call and cause of Christ in the earth. Amen? Moses' call was that he was actually to free God's people. You see, Moses has his experience with God in between this moment where we see now and this moment between the burning bush where Moses is called upon and he is called to set my people free. It's not just Moses' people. It's not just the people who look like Moses or who were spared unlike Moses and all these things. No, no, no. These are God's chosen people. This is Israel. Yeah. Hebrew nation, Jews, Moses' people, and God's chosen people. And Moses has been tasked. He's been called. He's been awakened to the fact that God wants to use him. To bring about an exodus, a liberation, a great escape, a mass escape from slavery and bondage that the Egyptians have held his people in. Can you imagine being the one that God says to you, set my people free? How immediately you would feel small. How immediately you would feel ill-equipped. How immediately you would feel like you are completely unworthy to do such things. You see, God doesn't have a heart for your insecurities. God has a heart for your exodus. Because it's in this moment that we see something absolutely incredible happen. But I feel like we overlook it. I feel like we overlook scripture so much. I feel like we could have spent a summer at VBS vacation Bible school in some Baptist church and God knows from nowhere in the end of the world. And completely missed this just because we heard it so many times. We see this played out, right? 
This is that superhero moment. Just like Samson. Just like Elijah and the chariots. Just like it all, all these amazing, Elijah and the chariots, but all these amazing things that took place in the Old Testament. This is like, yeah, this is Moses' superhero moment. He's going to lift his hands and woo! He part of the Red Sea and now people got free. And we're like, whoa, where's the after credit scene? And that's how we feel about it. But friends, can I tell you the scripture is so much better than that? It's so much richer than that. There is so much more here in this moment than a man simply raising his hands and a miracle taking place. You see, in this moment, man, Moses is so human. And I don't even hold it against him because I have moments like this every single week and a lot of times they're actually on Sundays when I should be the most faithful but here we see this moment Moses and Moses they're running from he's just got all of his Hebrews with him that would come with him and they're running from the Egyptians the Egyptians Pharaoh himself is on a chariot chasing after them and all of a sudden Moses arrives at the largest body of water this guy has ever seen. He's going in the direction that God called him to go. He's doing it the way God called him to do it. He is well on his way to setting God's people free. And all of a sudden, he runs into the biggest roadblock of all time, a.k.a. a sea. And Moses is just like you and me, certainly like me. All of a sudden he goes, he's got all his people, hot on the tail, finna die. God, what are you doing? Amen. Amen. God, what are you doing? We could have stayed in Egypt if we were just going to come here and die. What are you doing? What is even happening? Why would you direct us to go this way? Why did you call us to go this direction? Why did you tell us to head east? Why did you tell us to go this direction? God, I could have stayed in Egypt if I wanted to die today. Instead, you brought me here to these waters. Have I done something wrong? Did I not obey you? What did I do, God? That you would want me to die here today, along with all of your people. This is actually what happens before the scripture. This is what Moses is doing. God, why? And God says something to Moses that he says to me so often. Why are you crying to me? Why are you crying to me? He literally says, why are you crying to me, Moses? I told you where to go. I told you what to do. Do you not think that when I gave you instructions, I was going to see you through? Why are you crying to me? You're going to survive. It's going to be fine. And I'm going to get the glory. And all of Egypt is going to know that the God in Israel is the God. That's what he says. He says that to Moses, why are you crying to me? You're going to survive, and all of Egypt is going to know that God of Israel is the God. It ain't Anubis, it ain't nobody else. It's me. But Moses, Moses being like all of us, is the same thing that you and I do. When God sends us on a direction and suddenly it's not working out the way that we thought it would. Suddenly it's not going the way that we envisioned. Surely Moses did not envision when he heard, let my people go from God, that he would be going to a Red Sea, a massive body of water where there is physically, in known physics, they didn't have fixed at the time, but in known physics, no way of getting across a lot. But just like you and me, God's like, hey, leave that relationship. And then you leave that relationship and suddenly you're more overwhelmed with feelings of loneliness and you're actually welcoming the bruises you used to get instead of being free from the relationship. Yeah. I'm calling you away from that substance. 
But suddenly, the further away you get, the greater the withdrawals are. And you don't crave liberation. You don't crave righteousness. You don't crave not having the tobacco monkey off your back. Instead, or whatever your vice may be, instead of finding comfort and favor in the Lord, or comfort and favor in your spouse, or comfort and favor in your friends, your brothers and sisters, your community of Christ, you are seeking out desperately comfort and favor with whatever your known substance abuse is. So often, this is us. God will give you a word. Why did you tell me to leave that place, God? I knew people there. They knew me. You call me to this new city. I'm not fitting in. I'm not making friends. It could be a litany of things that we are sitting here going, God, why did you tell me to do that simply for it not to work out for me? Simply for me to surely die here today. Simply for me to run into the biggest roadblock I could ever run into. Don't you know my withdrawals are bad? Don't you know that I need comfort? Don't you know? And yeah. Why are you crying to me? Didn't you know when I called you out of that addiction I set you free? Didn't you know? Then when I called you out of that relationship, I'd set you free. Didn't you know when I called you out of that town, I'd set you free? God, I'm looking for my, my promotion and my exodus. Where's my liberation? I am your liberation. I am your exodus. God's heart for your exodus isn't found in your comfort or your security or even your relationships. God's heart for your exodus is found in Him and Him and His Word alone. Amen? Yeah. So what happens next is something absolutely amazing that again, I feel like we just overlook in the story. So Moses, hearing God, yeah, he did say, he did tell me to come here. There must be a purpose. And God's like, ding dong, hello. So what do you want me to do, God? Just like we all go, what do you want me to do, God? God goes, go stand in front of that sea and lift your hands. Go stand in front of the sea and just lift your hands. I'm going to look like a full-on idiot. Yeah, you are. I'm going to look like I'm surrendering. Yeah, you are. God, that's no way to lead my people. Yeah, it is. God, that's no way to get us out of here. Yeah, it is. God, they're coming. I don't got time for this. Moses. Just freaking do it. That's how God talks to me. So Moses, in this moment, something amazing happens and we miss it. We miss it so often, we miss it. He goes up to the edge of the sea and he raises his hands. And the Hebrews to his left and the Hebrews to his right are probably thinking, this is it. He is giving in. Moses is done. We've reached the end of the road. We should have just stayed in Egypt. He is raising his hands and surrendering. He is giving in. Then the Egyptians and the pharaohs who are hot on their tails, they're seeing this, right? Moses, he's up here, and he's just raising his hands, and you know Pharaoh's going, now we've got him. He's given up. He is giving up. He is raising his arms in surrender. But what they missed is what so often you and I miss when we read this story. We see this account of what took place. Yes, Moses was lifting his hands, and Moses was. He was giving in, and he was giving up. But he wasn't giving in to the Egypts, and he wasn't giving up for the Pharaoh, and he wasn't giving in for the Hebrews on the left and on his right. He was giving up, and he was giving in to God and God alone. 
Because when we give up and we give in to God and God alone, how many of you know that God can split the sea? How many of you know God can do miracles when we give up and we give in, not to social pressure, not to the fires underneath us, not from certain death, not from certain failure, not from certain financial means. No, but when we give in and we give up and we surrender to God and God alone, He can split the seas. God, why would you send me here? So you would give up. You would give in to me. God, why did you call me out of that situation? So you would give up. And you would give in to me. God, I look so dumb right now. Yeah, look dumb for me. God, I look like a fool right now. Yeah, be a fool for me. There's only one way you get across the sea. And you're not that good of a talker. We've already figured that out. You ain't talking your way out of nothing. Give up and give in to me. But do you see what took place here? God splitting the Red Sea. That's a miracle, right? That's amazing, right? But in actuality, in actuality, it's the same dude who hung the stars, who made the sun, who created earth, who created mountains, who made the wind, who made sunshine, Splitting the sea, that's light work for God. God never had to send Jesus to split the sea. Do you know what's heavy work for God? Because it takes somebody else co-laboring with him. Moses giving in, giving up, and surrendering fully to God. That's the actual miracle takes place. The Red Sea, that's light work. God can do that in his sleep. Getting Moses to give in and surrender. That's the miracle. Why? Because Moses had to do something that is so incredibly difficult for you and I to do. You want to know what that is? Somebody said, what's that? What's that? Huh? What's that? Huh? What's that? What he did was, Moses, in that moment, he decided that the voice of God was truer than the voices of the Hebrews to his left and to his right. Yeah. Moses in that moment decided that the voice of God was truer than the sounds of chariots behind him. Moses in that moment decided that the voice of God was truer than the water in front of him. Amen? Moses in that moment decided that the voice of God was truer than the voice of doubt within him. Am I preaching to anybody else? Come on, somebody. God, why would you leave me here? Because when you do it God's way, when you do it God's way, it's always going to work out for your best, Mm -hmm. even if you end up at a seaway. If God's way leads you to a seaway, a miracle can still happen. A miracle can happen now. There is no dead end with God. Hello, Christ. There is no dead end with our God. Only opportunities for miracles and impossibilities. Because here in this moment, Moses, stutter, stutter, stutter back in. He's stuttering. It's Moses. He has to stutter. I'm not making fun. But he stutters, and he's an ill-equipped leader, and his brother Aaron's had to do most of the communication for him. But Moses, he in this moment has decided that though this is an impossibility in front of me, there is a truer voice than what I am seeing in front of me. There is a truer God than what I'm seeing in the natural. Though this looks insurmountable and impossible, how many of you know with God, impossible has instructions. Impossible has instructions. What's that? Impossible has instructions. Some faith and some obedience is required. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody. One of the things that I notice in this scripture 
one of the things I notice in the scripture about obedience. Obedience. You can only, only be obedient to God in the areas of which you recognize aren't from Him. The rest of it already lines up. God's not asking for your obedience in the things that you are already doing that already resonate with His heartbeat. That's called faithfulness. Obedience is when you recognize bondage for bondage, sin for sin, chains for chains, and you call them what they are, and you choose to be obedient to what God says about them. How many of you know Israel, the Hebrews, they never would have left Egypt if they didn't understand that they were in bondage. If they didn't know that they were enslaved, if they didn't know that they were chained, if they didn't know this was not the way that God designed life to be, especially for his chosen people, if God's chosen people, a.k.a. you and me now, because when Jesus went to the cross, guess what happened? It was no longer simply just Israel that was God's chosen people, but it was whosoever shall be saved when they call upon the name of Jesus. Amen? So when you and I, we got adopted into this family suddenly. Now we have the same call of God in our lives to be free. But much like Israel, much like the Hebrews, we would never make our way out of Egypt if we didn't recognize the need for us to be out of Egypt. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? If we're not calling bondage, bondage, if we're failing to recognize that sin is sin, if we're failing to recognize that sickness and infirmary does not belong here in this temple, if we are failing to recognize that God says, I have more, and then we're failing to go after more, how many of you know we are just like all of the Hebrews that decided it was safer to stay in Egypt? than to trust the voice of God and to go into freedom. You see, when God met with Moses, he said, Moses, there's a land. There's a land. Let's call it the promised land. I made this for you. I made this for you. This promised land, Moses, man, it is overflowing. It's not just overflowing. It's not just green. It doesn't just have water for days. But Moses, it has got milk and honey. It's got milk and honey. And it is overflowing. Where God calls you to is always sweeter than the bondage you're stuck in. Where God calls you to is always sweeter than the chains you've been stuck in. When God calls you out of Egypt and he tells you, let's go, let's go to the promised land and overflows with milk and honey. You and I have got to understand that today. As Christians, as Jesus followers, there is more. There is a promised land for you and for me. But for us, it's not this physical land that we just get to go to like Texas is right now compared to Michigan. It's funny. Do you get it? There's not this physical promised land for you and I to go into, but instead what Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross enabled us to enter into. The fact that we can have heaven's provision here and now. We don't have to wait. We can have heaven's healing here and now. We don't have to wait. We can have heaven's dreams here and now. We don't have to wait. There's a promised land that overflows with milk and honey that God has been calling you and me into for a long time now. The whole point of his heart for your exodus is that you would break off the bondage and the chains that have withheld you and that you would be God's liberated people. Part of liberation is being set free from earthly norms and take up heavenly customs. Friends, 
Today I came to say, let my people go. The land of milk and honey is available to us. It's available to us. We just have to be willing to stand at the edge of impossibility and adhere to God's instructions. Your exodus begins when you stand at the edge of impossibilities and you obey God's instructions. Your exodus begins when you stand at the edge of impossibilities and you obey God's instructions, no matter how dumb you may look, how foolish you may feel, or how much worry or fear has overcome you in that moment. You stand at the edge of impossibilities and you listen to God's instructions and you lift your hands. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Yeah, yeah. that's good. What happens next in this story is, I'm going to say this again, it's absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible. You see, for the longest time, you've probably heard this phrase, the devil's in the details. Have you ever heard that? What if I came to tell you today that the devil's not in the details, but actually God's heart is in the details? God's heart is in the details. You see, God's heart isn't just known in the ending. It's found in the details. Amen? God's heart isn't just known in your outcome or how it goes for you or how you pass that finish line. God's heart is not found in simply the ending. God's heart is made known in the details. What do I mean by that? I mean that, man, for you and for me, a lot of us, we struggle with knowing the heart of God because we have not cared to look at the details. We have struggled to get to know the heart of God because we have overlooked the details. We simply just want to fast forward and get to the ending, but we don't see the miracles in the daytime. We don't see the miracles throughout the week. We don't see the lives that are being changed. We don't see the provision that's happening. We don't see the healings that are taking place. We don't see the words of affirmation that people are getting straight from heaven. Instead, we're looking for an ending. But our God's heart is found in the details. Amen? Yeah, that's good. Can I tell you how I know that? Because something happens in this piece of scripture right here and now that you and I have overlooked our entire lives. It says that God told Moses, lift up your hands. And it was in that moment that the mightiest wind this earth has ever felt took place. It was an east wind. It was an east wind that came down when Moses was obedient. He laid down his life. He wasn't surrendering to his enemies or to his people. He was surrendering to his God. That's what I call a good pastor. Amen. And this happens. He lays himself down at the edge of impossibilities. He adheres to God's instructions. The mightiest wind comes and something happens where the sea splits and it goes to the left and it goes to the right. The Bible describes it as walls amongst them and they are able to now rush through the Red Sea. But wait, there's more. It says that the wind blew so hard and so well that it just happened. Something more happened. It says the ground was completely dry. The ground was completely dry. How many of you know that it's a lot easier to run on dry ground than it is to trek through the mud? Amen. Come on, some of us, we have been, we have deserved to be found dead in our sin and in our bondage on a two-track full of mud, but instead God has come alongside us. He has opened up his wind, and for so many of us, we have run head on yeah. on dry ground. Yeah. Man, God's heart is in the details. His heart for your exodus is that you would run to freedom without resistance. That you would run to freedom without resistance. God, in this moment, through Moses' obedience, he pushes it up. Yes, but he doesn't just do that. The greater miracle to me in this moment is that this ground is as dry as the ground they are getting off of because it's the perfect off-ramp from bondage and into life on the other side of it. Amen. In this moment, 
God's heart is found, and guess what? He didn't just care that he made a way through the water. He made the driest way, yeah. the path of least resistance way, where you could run full steam ahead, where you could go with everything you've got, where you can give it your all, and you can make it to the finish line, that you can achieve your breakthrough, that you can truly have liberation. God's heart for your exodus is found when He makes dry ground. You see, dry ground... Dry ground is what I call grace. Grace isn't the waves. Grace isn't the walls. Grace isn't the sea splitting. Grace is found in the details. Where He's spread it open where he dried that out as much as it could be dried out and he made it the perfect track for freedom for his people friends grace is when God is actively empowering your life and propelling you forward in this moment that dry ground that was God acting on their life and pro propelling them forward. God's power at work in your life propelling you forward. That is grace. Yeah. And grace is found in the details. All off the backside of obedience. God's heart for your exodus isn't that you would be met with resistance at every turn. Isn't that you would struggle with late night fever sweats at every turn? That gossip would continue to consume your daily life? That people would be speaking about you and what you used to be and who you used to be and where you used to come from and all these things that make up your bad reputation at this moment in time? God's heart for your liberation, for your exodus, wouldn't be found in longing for comfort from someone who used to put hands on you and not in a Jesus way. Whatever bondage you're coming out of, God's heart for your exodus isn't found in you going from pornography seven times a week to once a week. No, 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 no. God's heart for your exodus is found in the details of grace where he not only splits the sea and he makes a way for freedom, but he dries up the ground so you can run after it. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. Yeah, yeah. Pastor Matt, I've done that. Pastor Matt, this is a very JV message so far. I've heard messages like this my entire church, told my entire church life, Pastor Matt. I've heard it. I've heard the splitting of the sea. I've heard somebody point out the dry ground before. I've heard all of these things. You're not saying anything new because for me, I still found myself back at that place. I still found myself having the withdrawals. I found myself giving you the temptation. I found myself sleeping with her and sleeping with him and sleeping with whomever. I have found myself stepping out of my marriage once again. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've run from Egypt. But what do I do, Pastor Matt? What do I do? When Egypt decides to get in the lane with me, what do I do when everybody who has a negative thing to say about me my entire life gets back on the road with me? What do I do? What do I do when it all comes back to haunt me, my former decisions or things maybe I didn't even actually do, but they're just being said about me? What do I do? Because I've tried it God's way. And I didn't experience what you're saying. The further along I got, the harder the withdrawals were. The further along I got, the greater the temptation was. The further along I got, maybe I wasn't met with resistance, but I was certainly messed, met with retaliation. How many of you know Egypt don't want you free? How many of you know the enemy of your soul don't want you liberated? How many of you know your temptations, your vices, whatever you've gone through, your mindset? Maybe it's a spirit of suicidal thoughts and depression, whatever it is, whatever has plagued you, whatever has come against you. Come on, somebody. These things, they don't want to see you free. These things, they want to see you chained. They want to see you bound. They want to see you gagged. They want to see you tucked away and never be heard from again. They want to smudge out your miracle before it ever has a chance to wake somebody else up. Right. Egypt don't want you free. What do you do, Pastor Matt, when Egypt gets down in there with you? Because that's what happens, right? 
That's what happens in the story. Is they are running full steam ahead. And they are going after God. They are going after the promised land. They are going after everything God said I've made available to you, Egypt. Or Hebrew. Okay. And then Egypt. It followed them in. It says that Pharaoh and his chariots and his men pursued them all night long. But then again, God's heart for your exodus is found in the details, amen? The devil's not in the details. Egypt isn't in the details. Your history isn't in the details. God's heart is found in the details because what happens next is so amazing. But we miss it every time. Seriously, if anybody's ever had this revelation of this verse before, tell me after class. Because I'd like to know how quick to the slow I was this whole time. But it says that as Egypt pursued them overnight, they were running, they were going. And suddenly, the wheels on the chariots began to clog. Suddenly, the wheels on the chariots of the Egyptians began to clog. Suddenly, in the middle of the night, the wheels on the chariots began to clog. Yeah, Matt, you've said it three times. Get to the point. What do you mean? The, I mean, in the middle of the pursuit, in the middle of your past coming back to haunt you, in the middle of your withdrawals, in the middle of your chains, in the middle of everything coming back after you, in the middle of retaliation from the enemy for your soul. When it follows you into the new church, or it follows you into the new marriage, or it follows you into this new season of liberation of Exodus. In the middle of the night, the wheels of your enemy's chariot began to clog. God's heart is found in the details. Do you know what I call that? If grace is God's power acting on your life to propel you forward, then how many of you know mercy is God's power acting on the enemies that are coming against you. Come on, somebody. If grace propels you forward, then mercy moves against those that move against you. Amen? Come on. God's heart is found in the details. The wheels begin to clog. But I thought we were on dry land. You are on dry land. Your enemy, what resistance you should be facing. But because of my grace, you're not. I'm turning that resistance against your retaliation. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Yeah. This is what happens when you begin to do things God's way. I don't care if it leads you to a seaway. There is a way through it. I don't care how hard it gets because Egypt wants to stop you before you get to your breakthrough. So they turn up the heat. They turn up the tension. They turn up the temptation. They turn it all up and they are going to come after you. Your reputation is going to be smeared. You're going to have self-doubt. You're going to think you are who God says you are. You're going to begin to make agreement with lies. Right when you are at your moment of breakthrough, Egypt would choose to kill you if they could but God his mercy because the Bible says if the wheels began to clog in the middle of the night I guess that makes sense because Solomon says that his mercies are new in the morning if grace is God's power acting upon you to propel you forward and God's mercy is God's power acting against what is coming against you. Yeah, that's good. Thanks, Robin. <laughs> Mom, good looking. Andy knows how to clap. Get behind the preacher. In this moment of this story that we see God's heart for our exodus, there's so much more that takes place in this story that was covered in the animated movie that's covered in Takeover Kids then that's covered on any of those books you find at the doctor's office while you're waiting. You know the ones I'm talking about. Our daily bread. The sponsored church, we're putting it in the plate. But there's so much more because in this moment 
we can see. And God's not just willing to split the Red Seas for you. He's willing to do the things that you don't even think about. Yeah, the body of water had to move, but did the ground have to be dry? Probably not. But he wanted you to experience the path of freedom with the path of least resistance. He wanted you to achieve that breakthrough that you've been fighting for so hard on your own. You thought you could overthrow the kingdom while you were still a prisoner there, but you can't. You can't kill it from the inside. You can only kill it from the outside. You've got to let me liberate you. And when God comes to liberate you, friends, it's not just a parting of the seas. It's the drying of ground because God's grace will take you further than your best ideas, well intentions, and personal strength ever could. But it's not just God's grace. It's not just God's grace because when the night is holding on to you, you know the song, God is holding on. You can't sing, but you know. And he says, the chariots that get in there, and they're going to stop them. But the wheels begin to clog. And the enemy of your soul, of your life, of your freedom, of your marriage, of your sexuality, your enemy, Is slowly but surely being found dead in their tracks. See this whole story, worship TV can make your way up here. See this whole story. This whole story started with God going to Moses and saying, Moses, set my people free. Answer the call of God on your life. Set my people free. But what Moses could have never have predicted, what Moses never could have thought, were all the twists and turns, the dry lands, the muddy waters, the resistance, the freedom, the retaliation, all the things that come along when you are escaping the devil's bondage on your life. The enemy's bondage on your life. But what God said, what God said was true. It was truer than the physical, natural limitations that were facing Moses. And God's words are truer than the natural and physical limitations that have been facing you. I'm sure there were a lot of things that at the edge of impossible, Moses could have tried to get his people across. Could have linked arms and all tried to use their body fat to float and stay above the water. They could have chopped something. You desperate times going for desperate measures and dumb measures, by the way. Have you spent any time with me? They could have chopped some trees down, did something real quick. And Found something to hold on to and try and make the trek in their own strength. I bet there was a lot of things that in the natural probably seemed like at least 12 of them could have survived this. But it's with God's instructions for the impossible that everybody gets out. God's instructions for the impossible. That true freedom and liberation in Exodus can take place. But Exodus, you will not experience God's Exodus for your life if bondage isn't recognized and obedience isn't exercised. No matter how big, how hard, how impossible it may feel, if bondage is not recognized and obedience is not exercised, you will die at the Red Sea. You see, in this moment, 
else amazing happens. Simultaneous grace pushing you forward. Simultaneous mercy holding your enemy back. Holding it back just long enough. Just strong enough. You might feel some heat on your heels. But there is a moment in Exodus, your Exodus, where you get to stand on the other side of impossible. You get to stand on the other side of impossible. Did anybody come to church today with hopes that you would stand on the other side of impossible? Because yes. I came to church today looking to stand on the other side of impossible and do what Moses did and raise my hands in obedience once again and watch watch as the sea no longer stays parted but it collapsed on my past it collapsed on my history it collapsed on my ex it collapsed on my court case it collapsed on my addictions it collapsed on my marriages it collapsed in my history. It collapsed on everything that got down in my lane of liberation. My lane of liberation that God sent Jesus Christ to the cross to rescue for me and to rescue for you. There's a lane called liberation. And God's heart for your exodus is that you would stand at the edge. Not the first edge. But friends, what I'm bold enough to say is the last edge of impossible. And raise your hands and give God glory. Give it and give up once again because God got you through. Praise Him. Praise Him. Yeah, Praise, Him. Yeah. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Is God. Your shame will know. Your depression. 
begin singing right now. There is another in the fire. There is another in the fire right now. There was another in the water. There was another in the fire. There is another when you can't. 